Welcome to Riverdale. This shit, Welcome to Riverdale is back, and I'm already, I don't know how I feel about these niggas. Um, we open up with Jughead being the narrator. Is he the narrator or is he a part of the show? That I do not fucking know. No, um, this episode, The Hills Have Eyes, uh, I don't know. I mean, I like it, I suppose. Um, I'm trying to do this maybe piece by piece, starting off with the first act. And we're back into regular Riverdale form and fashion. Like, everything is all fine and good, but, like, I don't know. Um, I'm underwhelmed. So, of course, we get Jughead being the, the motherfucker who is narrating everything. And we start off with Betty. And may I add, though I feel like they all, the main four, are evil as hell. They are the bad guys. I'm liking this little... I don't know, like, 90s horror flick or suspense film um, movie that Betty is living in when it comes to her and Chick and her mom and everything. Because like, Alice is a horrible parent. Let's just, I mean, it, there's no denying it. Alice sucks as a parent. Um, Chick is giving me a lot of Twilight vibes. A lot of low-talking, high cheekbones, slow movements creepy but like it's it's not charming anymore like it was interesting initially but now I'm just like yeah is this what we have to put up with like this isn't compelling for me then like there was the one part of the scene where he walked out of Betty's bathroom that's in her bedroom which is like whatever and um cause I've never noticed that I don't know if it's always been there but then Betty's like what the deal chick Use your own room. And he says, you have better water pressure. I'm like, what What are we even watching here? Uh, I don't know. I just don't know that I am invested in this anymore. I do like Betty, though. Like, all of this has made me like her more. I don't understand. Maybe there's some cognitive dissonance with um, Alice. But if your daughter is telling you, like, I understand you would have that guilt for leaving him behind and love for him. You're a firstborn child, your only son or whatnot. But your daughter is actively putting these things in your face that should have you question what the fuck chick is up to. But, I mean, I guess he goes to work and stays out of the way for the most part. So maybe she's like, Betty, you're overreacting, you dumb idiot. Like, I don't know, but I'm not for it. Um, I like parts of this story, but they need to really do something to wow me and bring me back into the fold because I'm not, I'm not happy with it. Uh, moving on, we get to uh, Hiram Lodge running up on Veronica and Archie. He's like, oh, hey, kids, you know that trip that me and your mom were going to this weekend? Well, that's been canceled because of some work stuff. You two 16-year-olds go up to the family cabin deep in the wood. Like, where is this cabin? Where did this come from? Like, you, you barely have made it here yourself, Hiram. And now y'all have all this property all over Riverdale or Riverdale adjacent. I don't buy it. Um, I do, though, like, which is weird because I feel like it's kind of problematic. This whole um, lodges equate with mob and because I feel like there's something borderline there that is very racist, problematic or just plain 
distasteful, but I'm a roll with it until someone um, explicitly points it out to me, say, hey, no, this is bad. But something about that is off, and I don't really like Hiram's acting. Um, I mean, I don't know. This, I just, I keep remembering these motherfuckers are children, and they're going through all this shit, which is like, it's a fantasy show you know shit happens but it's like you're trying to ground it in reality but then all this shit is going on <coughs> excuse me and it's it's pulling me out it's pulling me out man it's pulling me out um so we also go over to oh in the same scene so i was like oh um, hey by the way since i'm sending you guys you know up there in such and such veronica's with her over the top 90s teen movie dialogue oh no papa you won't be doing none of that this is gonna be chaperone free weekend blah blah girl shut the hell up so um so Hiram in Veronica's face is like uh RTC we could have talked to you for a minute in private which is like I kind of get what they're going for but it seems like a slap in the face because if you've brought Veronica into the fold and she understands what the family business is what all that entails what all y'all got going on why are you like, we've already, hmm, how do I put this? We've already established that you've tested Archie with that bullshit, crappy-ass storyline about the FBI agent. But you've tested him. He's passed. He's shown his loyalty. There's really now no one for him to go talk to to run his mouth because clearly the FBI agent was now on y'all's side, which is like a big letdown. But it... Which uh, I may be sounding hypocritical. I'm sure I'm probably contradicting myself from the last episode, which was eons ago. But I don't care. Like, whatever. Fuck that agent. But now it's just like you've given her supposedly full reins of the business and you're still hiding things from her. Like, is she still existing in this space where she's like daddy's little girl? It's like her behavior hasn't changed. And that's so odd to me. It's like you're censoring Archie. First of all, in this family of color, you're centering Archie, who's pre- presenting as a white man. Um, and I get that, you know, he's... I'm not going to keep making excuses. I think that it's trash because Veronica should be able to stand on her own. And if she's going to be involved with a family that is so evil and malicious and angry and all this other shit, let her be a part of that. Let her fully embrace it. And let's not skip over her, who's quote-unquote heir to the throne and just give it to Archie it feels like that's a disservice to the Veronica character who has been albeit consistent a rather annoying at times character like I like them I don't necessarily stand for anyone Sans Josie everybody black and then of course Reggie but and Cheryl I hate to say it I stand for Cheryl but it's just like Veronica that could be another dynamic or element of her that we could unfold that like I'm just not I just hate that Archie's being censored in her own family over her I think it's a huge misstep and um, I'm hoping that it, it changes well I mean they've done the same thing with Hermione they've kind of shelved her and then you pull her out at the end at this like plot twist of oh it was me the whole time orchestrating uh FBI agent Smith or whatever but it's like that's fine, but that would have been a better payoff if you had her doing other shit. Don't sit her off to the side only to pull her out later on and say, oh, it was me all alone. You could have showed elements that would have made us put it together as an audience. Like, oh, I wonder if something that once she was revealed to be 
the person pulling the strings that it would be like, oh, I should have seen it the whole time. It's just lazy. And I, it's just, don't center Archie, this white boy, in this fancy, fancy, this family of Mexicans, Latino. I'm still, I have to do a Google search. If I'm wrong, correct me with the verbiage. But all in all, these people of color, you're centering this white boy in this family. And it's just like, he's, he's proven that he's trustful. Why are you still doing this? It seems like a slap in the face to your own daughter. But I digress. Um, Jughead's storyline is rather boring. I'm not really a fan of his. Uh, he is my least favorite character of all. We pick up on him and his dad talking about how they'll have to move. And then Jughead's upset. Like, we shouldn't have to move to such and such. There's living on the wrong side of the tracks. And there's living on the tracks. Which is like, something about that feels very icky, for lack of a better term. Like, pump your brakes, motherfucker. First of all, the whole reason we're in any of this mess is because of your dumb ass. Additionally, like your dad said, I work at Pop's Chocolate Shop. There's Riverdale to me seems poor. It does not seem like it's full of wealth. It seems like a poor, um, a poor town. And that may not be how it is, but that's the way it's presented. Most of the people there seem to be poor outside of the main characters who are just abundance of wealth all over the place. Um, but I'm just like, okay, FP is, but why would you, if you are in a predicament where you have no money and your backs are against the wall and you could pretty much get your, your home ripped up under you, ripped from up under you, why would you write a piece about Hiram Lodge? Like you, and I think this speaks a lot to, and I'll say white privilege, because if I am in a situation where my back's against the wall. I'm about to lose my house. And the one thing that would save me, not just me, but my entire community is not writing this article. Just don't write the article. You're already writing a book, which just seems weird that sometimes he talks about writing a book. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he's the narrator. It's like, does he have multiple personality or something? Um, but the thing is, if you can't swallow your pride to come up with a plan B to take care of this issue that you have with Hiram Lodge, that's your privileges showing. Like it must be nice to have that because it doesn't, it must be nice to be, to live in a world where no matter what you still are going to go. I don't know. I don't know if I'm making any sense here, but I just know that I'm frustrated at the way that Jughead is depicted and the actions that he's taking and not only him but his dad because even with fp sometimes it's like oh i'm mad at you for doing this jug yet then other times they're like oh we'll see you in the funny papers hiram lodge we're still writing that story about you why somebody tell me why so i'm fuck that fast forward past that we get to cheryl and her mom and all of this is clearly set up for the big meat of the episode which is going to the uh, cabin or whatever and so Cheryl is talking to her mom she's like oh I thought you would be done getting some of that filthy money from these disgusting motherfuckers and I'm just like what are we doing you guys are far from poor you're living in this big ass house your mom is walking around in this fucking 1970s excuse me ninth. 17th century uh, ghost outfit and shit should be tired of taking filthy wads of cash from strangers by now. You have no right to judge me. Not when you drove away the one decent chance I had at a better life. 
You mean with Hal Cooper? <laughs> if that's your idea of love. What would you know about it? You've never known love for Cheryl, except to rip it apart. Because you are a jealous, spite-filled, starving, emotional anorexic. Have a nice day at school, dear. Alright, so moving a bit further along in the episode, I I don't know how I feel about Riverdale when it comes to black people because clearly they have been erased and overlooked and silenced. The Pussycat Dows or Pussycats, whatever, they are no longer on the show. It's just Josie. Uh, Melanie, however, is on Altered Carbon and she did a damn good job. Amazing series. I still have my kind of issues with it, but whatever this is in the alter carbon episode but um if you do want to see more of melanie please check over there because she did her damn thing i loved it um okay so there's this couple's retreat up at the cabin shadow lake forest or whatever the fuck else and i like what i did like about this episode is that they had the four villains archie veronica betty and jughead um, up at the cabin alone, left to their own devices. And it's kind of like, like I, I was into it, but then again, I'm like, you guys are 16, 15, 16 years old. What the fuck? What kind of sense does it make to send you motherfuckers up there on your own, even with one chaperone? Like, this makes no sense. And why was all your families oh, just okay with that? Like, so odd. Um, Cheryl, of course, was denied access because she's not in a couple. Uh and that makes for some interesting storytelling later on down the line. Now we get fast forward. So they're at the cabin and Cheryl does what she does best. She calls Jughead and informs him that his girlfriend has kissed his good guy friend. And the shit storm begins. And that's all fine and good. And it was, you know, it made for a good story. Veronica said, oh, we should kiss me and Jughead because then you guys won't be so upset with us or whatever. Jughead is investigating the lodges at the lodges lodge through asking Veronica a series of questions, which is like, okay, nigga, this is weird. All in all, I really, as much as I liked the, um, the cabin scene and all that, I just, I did not really care for them. Uh, mainly because the B plot of this movie being, uh, Sierra McCoy, Mayor McCoy, or ex-Mayor McCoy, and Sheriff Keller's relationship being exposed and discussed, and I felt like they handled it okay. Um, I'm not a child of divorce, so I don't know what it's like to find out your parents are divorcing and dealing with that, but um, Josie goes behind her mom's back and tells Kevin that his dad is sleeping with her mom and causes Kevin to go to his dad and customer, I used to look up to you and like, mm, win calm down it doesn't matter your mom has not even been cast in this show but that's neither here nor there um i didn't like well i'll say one the movie simon hello simon well actually simon whatever about the gay white boy coming out like whatever that clearly they put a lot of money into this episode because this was simon what the hell is that movie's name simon i'm just calling it simon that simon movie was really um heavily like that was the people I was that movie and people going to see that movie in like this midge moose Kevin sort of polyamorous could be would be but not quite really relationship was 
interesting. Um, it, I guess it would give Kevin more to do outside of being just the gay guy. Um, and then speaking of Twilight, Midge looks very much like Alice from the first Twilight movie. Like those weird ass contacts and that shiftless wig that she's wearing. Like it, she's odd. I don't know if she's Asian or if she's white or what. I don't know what's going on. Um, and then the show with a bunch of race bent characters, I think it's important to at least know or have visual cues that this is not a white woman. If she's not, like if she is, okay, whatever. But I think she's supposed to be Asian. And I'll look that up some other time, probably after this recording. But she was just so weird. She had this like old lady wig and then her outfit was very bland. And it just, this wasn't a good episode for Midge. Now we find out that, hello, Simon. I think it's hello, Simon. Well, uh, after Moose invited... (laughs) Kevin to come see the damn movie with them. Kevin's like, oh, that's a little bit too much big love for me. No one talks like that. Secondly, I mean, I guess I get your reservations because you were hooking up with this boy back in season one. But it's just it seems like he's all weird about it. And I don't understand why. The thing that did um, come to head, though, is that we find out that either Moose has been lying or Midge is has a terrible memory because Moose was like, yeah, she knows all about us. And he's like, oh, she does. But then when they're in the diner, she's like, so how did you guys become friends? Like, don't you know we've been fucking in the woods? Like, what? It's so weird. And I think they're doing a disservice to me. It's because this is, that would be a really interesting storyline and an interesting um, element to introduce in this show is the three of them being in a relationship together. Like that is, or all three of them dating each other. That would be very interesting. And I think it might elevate the show. Well, if they can execute it right, cause hell, a lot of shit ain't been right. Um, moving on to Josie and her relationship with her mom. And I'm kind of upset at the fact that we're still acting as if Mayor McCoy and her husband are together. Like, we've seen this guy in one episode in season one, and that's it. He's been referenced, mentioned, and all that. And to, I feel like you could have easily wrote that out, like, okay, we are getting a divorce. Because she said we were going to wait until you graduated. And um, Josie had a nervous breakdown behind it. And I get it, you know, your parents divorcing. But we never see this man, ever. So, I feel like this scene could have went a whole nother way, even with Kevin and Sheriff Keller and his mom. Like, I don't know if she's going to be on and she just hasn't been cast or she'll never make an appearance, but we have never seen her. So though I get what they're doing with this storyline and it's, it's pretty good. They're working with what they got. You have not made me emotionally invested in McCoy's husband and Keller's wife. Like, I just don't care. I'm more invested in the two of them together and Josie and Kevin. Everybody else is just like, okay, you're you're a name. And I think the show doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Because had you known this from the start, you would have done more to make. Because it was shocking to find out that uh, Sierra McCoy and Sheriff Keller were together. That was. But now that you're pulling out this storyline, I don't think Josie and Kevin have enough to keep me invested because we rarely see Mayor McCoy and Sheriff Keller. Now, if we're going to be seeing them more and this turns out to be some long drawn out process conversation or whatever, then yeah, that's cool. But if it's just this one conversation where we're having a conversation in a booth 
and I understand that this is bigger than two people and this conversation is going to take a while. Like, if it's just that, then what's the point? Riverdale has a tendency of, like, bringing shit up and then just leaving it alone or trying to wrap it up because they don't know what the hell they're doing. And though I do like this show, I no longer love it. I really like it. I don't love it. It's just losing me because it just feels like people are all over the place. Additionally, uh, all of the brown characters and black characters seem to be the bad people. You already have uh, Chuck listed as a bad person. Josie did this bad thing going behind her mom's back. Her mom is bad because she's cheating on her husband. Then this one um, black guy that you bring in randomly is sleeping with Cheryl's mom because she's a sex worker. And this show is trying to make us think that that's a bad thing, which it is not. But the way you're framing it, clearly shows that this nameless black man is just another one of her um, clients and he's just as bad because he's paying a quote-unquote prostitute. I understand the sex worker, but for emphasis on this issue, I'll just say prostitute. And it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, these black people could have such... I don't understand why it is so hard to get black people right or even ages because where the fuck is Reggie? Where's his mom? Like, she said maybe two lines. When she found out he was selling drugs. And that was it. Like, then whatever came from that community service they were doing. It's like this show just brings up stuff. And just leaves it alone. For the next week. Which I feel like if you're going to binge watch this. It would make it a bit frustrating. Because it feels as if some of these plot lines will be picked up later on. But it does not happen. I'm just like. Uh, like the pussycats are gone, but there was never an explanation why we understood that they broke up, but they broke up on that weird episode with the Ford vignettes that seemed like it was kind of a, just a fun filler episode, but all the shit happened to be real. So where are they? Like, yeah, the pussycats broke up, but you didn't even give me a reason. Why. Like it was so odd that this would even, and then the fact that Mayor McCoy would be upset about her, about Josie being in a band versus a solo act, which is like, don't you have some mayoring to do? Where Shouldn't she have a manager if you really feel that way? The whole thing is just odd. And as much as I stand for Cheryl, she is, I guess, confirmed bisexual or at least confirmed queer or a lesbian in this episode because she does spill her heart out, her heart out to Tony Topaz eventually and I get it but I stand for you but you f- split up the pussycats um, you were fucking poisoning Josie and that has never been addressed uh, you had this like nightingale syndrome or complex or whatever where you were just so obsessed with her and then even though I'm upset with the behavior that was never followed up either it wasn't like the next couple episodes she was still pining for Josie and then it kind of tapered off like the very next episode it was just like okay whatever that happened so I don't know I just feel like the treatment of people of color on this show is just garbage um and it'd be different if they were trash just like everybody else but it's like you're not taking the same care at writing these characters just write Josie and write Chuck and write all the other black people like you do the white people just give them a story let them be wild and crazy too but when you don't have as many people of color on screen when they do show up and they're I don't know and these odd ass predicaments it's just like what the fuck are you doing I just I don't know. I digress. Moving on, we get to back at the cabin where Veronica does the dumbest shit ever. She's down at the convenience store and whatever else with Betty. 
and she's talking to flirting with the guy after she just had an argument with Archie and it's like hey yeah we're up in the cabin by ourselves and no adults there come and break in at any time that was clearly like I'll give the show its credit it did it did feel although I knew that that wasn't going to end well it did work with the scene it worked with the episode and it felt like Okay, this makes sense. You know that she was flirt with the with the guy of um behind the counter, and then be a bit oblivious because she's lived this you know wealthy socialite lifestyle that she wouldn't be aware of dangers like she should. Um, but when we find out that this guy and the three men who were sitting outside the convenience store break in to rob them, it is so weird that he robbed her of just her purse, her wallet. Like there were three other people there. You didn't get any jewelry. You went directly to Veronica and got her one wallet. If you know that rich people live in this neighborhood, don't you think they'd have more than just one wallet full of money? It was just odd. Um, I'm still holding fast to being angry or kind of disgusted at the fact that Hiram spends more time focusing on Archie than he does his own daughter. Now, if we're going to say, well, Archie is physically menacing and he can protect her. I get that to a degree, but if you brought your daughter in on all this bullshit that you got going on with the family business, give her all of it. Why is it? Are you half assing it? You know, like at the meeting, they went and bought up the trailer park and Jughead's dad, FP called him. Like, oh yeah, they bought the trailer park and they wiped everybody's debt clean. Yay. And I'm like, that's not a victory. And the, the weird part about it is I think, and if I'm not mistaken, and I hope I don't seem like bougie classes elitist or anything but when you have a trailer park aren't you for the most part i would imagine people have purchased those homes like yeah you could be paying rent you could pay rent on anything a house an apartment a condo a loft but i felt like at a trailer park you a lot of people own those trailers like maybe the land doesn't belong to you but you would own those trailers so the fact that it's like oh yeah our debt has been paid and we can live here it's just like None of you motherfuckers own your trailer? Like, not even one of you? And why are we all at FP's house celebrating? He said, oh, you put the pressure on them, Jughead, and that made them wipe our debts clean. Now, though I don't like Jughead, and he is a conspiracy theorist, and he does overstep his bounds, and he's a horrible ally, in this instance, I was like, with him, why do you why do you think he would want to wipe our debts clean? It's to silence us. And at first, I was like, oh, Jughead, shut up. You're just... You're just being a conspiracy theorist, much like what Archie said in this episode. But then I thought about it, I'm like, no, that, though I get where the show is going with that particular piece of storyline, it still was like, listen to him. Yeah, he's been shooting off at the mouth and doing crazy shit, but yeah, this motherfucker is buying up property, wiping our debts clean. What is he going to do later? And I feel like it's going to be one of those moments where it's like yeah y'all should have listened to Jughead clearly Hiram Hiram has bought up everything the solar dad project is whatever the fuck it is now he's probably making a transformer with all these it's weird um but then we find out that Hiram also bought the newspaper where um Alice Cooper works well Betty gets mad and turns on Veronica which I'm like why are y'all turning on Veronica like I feel like they're blaming her for the sins of her father so this show is making Veronica part of the family business, but delegating all the information and all the tasks that should be uh, placed on her to Archie, this white boy who's not related to them at all, just because he's her boyfriend. 
then when it comes to blaming someone for things, you're putting all the blame. This show is putting all the blame on Veronica from things that her father has done. So she's getting the brunt and the bullshit, but she's not getting the praise and the good projects and shit that Archie is getting. I'm like, this seems kind of off. Additionally, why in the fuck? So she's like, Betty's like, oh, did you invite us up here so that we wouldn't be around when your dad bought up everything? First of all, what would you have done to stop him if he purchased it? But what Veronica said, which made a lot of sense to me is, you mad at my dad for buying up this shit. Bitch, you should be mad at your bitch ass daddy for selling it, which not verbatim, of course, but it makes sense. Like you're mad at my dad. Yeah. Okay. Be mad. But your dad owned the newspaper. Why did he sell it? And he probably sold it to get back at your mom. So why don't you deal with the shit going on in your own house? You killed a man. Well, your mom did. But anyways, so um, I feel like I'm on Veronica's side at this because it's like, y'all are angry. But you know what I did like about this episode is that through all the bullshit that went on in this cabin, this was a really solid episode for everyone. Like there was the kisses, the betrayals, the discussions, the sex, the, the like it was a lot. It was a, this was probably one of the best constructed episodes of Riverdale since the first season. Like everything flowed. Everything made sense from um, Jughead's narration to setting up every, the four of them being upset and angry or having a reason to go to the cabin, to them getting to the cabin, to finding out what Hiram was doing while they were at the cabin. Even the break-in and robbery made sense. Even the B-plot with um, uh, Josie and her mom and Kevin and his dad, though I didn't like that, it still flowed. Like, if, like I think every scene made sense. Nothing could be taken out and the show would be the same. I mean, you could take out the entire B-plot, but it's a B-plot, so that's what it's there for. Um, even down to Josie, Josie, um, Cheryl and Tony having their conversation and then, you know, Cheryl confirming that she's a queer character. All of that made sense. I would like to see more of them because I feel like she caved too easily to Tony's charms, so to speak. But... It all made sense. So all in all, it really was a good episode, well constructed and everything. But looking at it critically, I was like, this is garbage. Y'all suck. You guys are trash. Then we get this end scene where the camera is apparently on Hiram's shoulder and directly in his face where him and Archie are having their weekly sensual midnight storm meetups. And he's like, did it bother you? You know what Andre did to that hooligan? Which um he shot the boy. Well, we assume we didn't see it, but we heard a gunshot. He's like, "Did it bother you what he did to that boy?" And Archie's like, "Oh no, you know when we caught the black hood, I hesitated and I was bad at myself." <laughs> it's just like, but even with that, as as much disdain as I have for Archie, I did like the way that the robbers in the cabin kind of parallel the black hood, which really. This was a good episode for Archie as well. Like, he went through a lot of emotional shit. But that, when they added in that flashback about him, um, his dad being shot at by the Black Hood, it was like, okay, this makes sense. It makes sense that he would go after these men. Like, it was, I like that. And it's so weird for me to sing the praises of the construction of the show, but then critically be like, oh, this is a bunch of hot garbage. <laughs> but so sue me. Oh, well. Um... Yeah, interesting, interesting thing that they did with this episode. Um, my favorite characters are Everybody Black. And I'm going to say probably Josie. Josie was my favorite this episode. Josie and Tony. I don't know, I'll just list Everybody Black. Uh, my least favorite this episode was probably... 
the show itself for casting that nameless black man who we'll probably never see again. And we saw him from so far away. He was just black enough. He was dark skinned with an Afro with like a 70s style outfit with this butterfly collar and this old ass car. Like it's like, ugh, y'all trash. Um, let me see my favorite scene. <sighs> Definitely wasn't that. Hey, Simon love Simon shit, but they did a really good job with that. Adding in, scenes from the trailer into the movie so that though it looked as if they were watching the movie so it was I say kudos to the show for that if they could just put as much care into the plot of the show um, I'm hoping that this season wraps up really well in a nice neat tidy bow that makes sense well not makes sense for the show because the show is crazy but that makes sense just in general Um, but a favorite scene hmm Maybe Josie and Sierra talking. Well, no, no, no. I don't know, because I don't like the way that they handled Josie this episode. I don't like the fact that she knew about this affair. But then we had to bring in the dad. Like, if she knew about it, just let her know and let her know that her parents are getting a divorce. Because she was so lax, like, oh, you guys. And then it was odd that they were, like, in the doorway in the living room, like, giggling and shit. Like, can't you take this shit to your bedroom or go somewhere else? Like you were renting motels, like so odd. Um, I don't know. Favorite scene, Mm-mm-mm. probably the robbery scene. Like everything surrounding that, because I did like, like I said, how the, the the cinematography was great, the editing was great, the music, the score, whatever was great. Veronica being like. Yeah, I'm going to press this silent alarm because though my dad is giving you all the praise and adoration, I know what the fuck I'm doing. I can handle myself, too. So that was pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I guess I don't have a question because Blackhood is dead, I guess. I don't know. He could be back. Um, I could, No, my question to you all is how do you feel about the way that the people of color are handled on this damn show? Like, tweet me, Carefree Blurred. Use the hashtag WTRPod. Hit me up on Twitter, Carefree Blurred. Hit me up in the SoundCloud comments. Let me know how do you feel about the way the black people are treated in this show. And the Asians as well. And by extension, anyone of color, not including Verona because she's really white passing. But we haven't seen Reggie in forever and a day. And I feel like with an ensemble cast like this, you need to do better about working these people in. Like, you're introducing all these characters and then going nowhere, even with Chuck and not even just because he's black. If he was any other race, just him himself and his character, the way he's popped up and left, popped up and left. What are you doing with him? What is your end game? Like this isn't a soap opera or it kind of sort of is. It's a primetime drama, but there seems to be no direction. It's just like, we're going to write some shit. We'll get you in two episodes. And you know, I don't know. We hit a roadblock or a writer's block. We'll write you back in. It's just so weird. That they're, there's no, I don't know. I like the show, I really do. It's just, oh, it's a lot that really just bothers me. Um, I don't know. I guess and in the vein of River Dames, I don't have a rosebud thorn or anything. <laughs> but check out the River Dames pod. Amazing, amazing, amazing podcast over there. And I'm sure I'm going to, once this is done, check out their episode on the hills have eyes and see <laughs> let them make me laugh for a while so check out river dames but i don't know all in all again everybody black was my favorite character but i'll focus on josie um favorite scene 
mm, was the robbery. Yeah, I think that was really well done. And then please tell me in the comments, what do you, how do you feel about the way people of color are handled on this show? Particularly this episode, but the show in general, like, I really would like to know, you know, let me know if you agree with me, if you don't. And if you don't, please let me know why. Even if you do, let me know how you feel about the way they're handled and why do you feel that way? It'd be interesting. Okay. So in the meantime, in between time, we're going to keep this conversation going. Make sure to email me at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com when you're watching Riverdale or listening to this episode or any other episode of Welcome to Riverdale. Please use the hashtag WTRpod. This podcast is available on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, BYNK Radio, and CarefreeBlackNerd.com, among other podcast listening apps. Um, Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, comment, discuss, and until next time, I'll see you again. Um, So stay carefree, stay nerdy, and stay out them woods of Riverdale. (laughs) All right. Mastered the art of selling tears, but I saw you crying during that movie, Cheryl. I never cry in movies. Real life's tragic enough. But when Simon's mom said he used to be such a carefree kid growing up, and then at a certain point, he stopped being that happy kid because he was hiding a secret. Just Cheryl. Everyone thinks I'm this loveless monster. But it isn't true. I loved someone who loved me. My mother destroyed it. You mean your brother Jason? I heard how close you guys were. No, not JJ. Her name was Heather. You're not.